Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester, here with Autumn Privet, and this is the Reading Women Podcast, where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by talking about books by or about women, and this is episode seven, where we are going to talk about Southern literature. Finally. Finally. (laughs) Something I actually know more about than you. Now, now. (laughs) It took seven episodes. Well, we are sufficiently in the hub of your wheelhouse. So this is today. Welcome to the autumn show. We may just have our title right there. No, no, please. I'm an introvert. I get nervous. <laughs> we're, we're two introverts. Anyway, quit talking about me. What's the news? <laughs> yes, you have the news. Oh, do I have the news? Yes, because it's the autumn see? show. <laughs> no, see, now I'm all nervous. <sighs> so my news, and this is something that I've already posted about on our Instagram, but... I got to see Jasmine Ward a couple weeks ago. My hero. (sighs) And let me just preface this by saying that she is just as gracious and elegant and intelligent as you would expect her to be. Like she, oh my goodness, she was so kind. Just so kind. So she spoke on a panel at the Carter Center, which is near me. The like the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library Carter Center. Maybe it's not the Presidential Library. Anyway, whatever. So they have a bunch of literary events. So they had a panel discussion about race and talked with Jessman and then three other people who contributed works to the book that she just edited called The Fire This Time. And You know, it has escaped my memory what the title alludes to, and I should know. I wrote it down. But anyway, so... It's Baldwin's The Fire Next Time. Yes. So it is a collection of essays about race and just different people's perspectives on it. And it was an amazing panel, and she... I was just so excited to see her. And then, like, afterwards, I got to talk to her, and she was so kind, like, very sweet. I told her about the podcast. So if you're listening, Jessamine, hi. And, um, oh, man, <laughs> my heart just, like, sunk into my stomach. So, yeah, so that was really great. And I was really excited to get to talk to her. And I asked her when her next book was coming out, and she said that she is now in the editing phase. So it is done. I'm going to die. I know. I'm going to I die. Know. I can't breathe. So she said that she's editing it in the next year. So I think it's supposed to come out sometime next year. Oh my goodness. If it's a BEA, I'm I know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I know. I don't I don't hyperventilating. I don't even know. I'm already hyperventilating enough as is about potentially going to BEA Book Expo of America. Um just to be clear. Um yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Autumn brought me back signed copies because, you know, she's awesome and I haven't read the, I started reading um The Fire this time, but I stopped because I had I made a vow to read for work more. Good for you. It's very difficult because I still checked out books that weren't for work. <laughs> That's a difficult balance. We balance over here. Yeah, so you have a book of two hundred pages. For work and a book of 600 pages not for work. That's balance. Balance. And is the podcast work or is it not? Does it count? It, it's somewhere in a gray area. <laughs> we, might, we might have to delve into that philosophy later. Um, Depends on what week it is. 
How are we feeling about ourselves this week? Right now, it's pretty good. Pretty good? Well, uh, I guess, well, it is continuing our thing. I guess it's time for our first book. Well, Autumn, it's you again. Me again? Yeah. How did this happen? I don't want to be the Autumn show. Well, you want to talk about Southern literature? Yes, I do. (laughs) Very much. I feel like I'm your mom, Autumn. Do you want to do this? You know, at least you're calling me by the right name. Have I told you, like, in the last two or three weeks, I've had, like, four people call me Anna? You don't even look like an Anna. No, and I go, like, at restaurants and stuff, and they'll be like, Anna? And I'll be like, no, Autumn, like, like the season. And then they go, oh, oh, okay. I'm like, it's not hard. Anyway, my first book is... Ellen Foster by Kay Gibbons. And let me just say about this book that I almost did not pick it up because it I'd seen it everywhere and I'd like by everywhere I mean like at book fairs and book sales and the cover's a little bit off-putting like it's super feminine and kind of vague and then like it has this huge Oprah seal of approval on the front of it, which oh, always dear. kind of makes, like, especially older books that are, like, I you know, I didn't know enough about. Like, recently, I feel like Oprah's done amazing things with her book picks. Um, case in point, the Underground Railroad, but we won't go there. Anyway, so I almost didn't pick this book up, and then I found a really good deal at a book sale, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get it and pick it up, and oh my goodness, I am so glad that I picked up this book. It was such a treat. It follows the story of Ellen Foster. And I'm going to read you the opening line because it is like super gripping. So the opening line is, when I was little, I would think of ways to kill my daddy. I would figure out this or that way and run it down through my head until it got easy. Oh my goodness. I know, (laughs) right? I know. And so it just kind of, so it sets the tone for the whole book. And Ellen, her mother died. And I believe, I couldn't confirm this definitively, but I'm pretty sure like the book implies that like her mom killed herself because of Ellen's dad was so abusive. Um, So yeah, so it's, I mean, it starts out like this pretty dark tale. But then it also is this really amazing discussion about like race in the South. And it's, it's a different approach kind of than you would think. Um, she's actually like taken in by these, the, it's, it's set in a time when like the town is segregated. So there's like the black part of town or whatever they call it. And then like where all the white people live. And so it's actually like an African American family that kind of takes her in and, really helps her when she's going through this really hard time with her dad. And when I first read it, it seemed like a really simple story, but it's one of those books where the longer you think about it, the more meaningful it becomes. It sounds really good. And I, for some reason, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, well, I was reading about the author in preparation for this episode, actually, and she didn't write many novels. She has another one. She has a a virtuous woman and another one, but she struggles with mental illness, so she hasn't really written anything since, I think, 2003. That's sad. It's super sad. 
But this is a great book, and it, it's, it's a surprise. Like, I was surprised at how good it was. Um, yeah, and so it's definitely worth reading. You should definitely put it on your to-read list, especially if you're interested in, like, you know, um, understanding, like, race relations better in the South. Really great perspective. Loved it, loved it, loved it. It's a quick read, like 200 pages or less. And uh, it's Ellen Foster by Kay Gibbons. And and that brings me to my first pick, which is Mama Day by Gloria Naylor. And yes, as you probably know, you will know that Autumn and I met in grad school and we are in a book club made up of a bunch of the same program graduates. And probably Mama Day was uh, unanimously voted the favorite. Yeah. Pretty much because I'm going to read you the first snippet because it just explains why. Um Willow Springs, everybody knows, but nobody talks about the legend of Sapphira Wade. A true conjure woman, satin black, biscuit cream, red as Georgia clay, depending upon which of us takes a mind to, and takes a mind to her. And it goes on and on about this legend of um, this, she's kind of like, well, not a witch doctor, what's it called? Like a voodoo priestess? Something like that. It's like, it has... um. The, the book is set on, most of it is set on a fictional island on the border of South Carolina and Georgia. And on the island, old uh, powers kind of still, like, so there's still kind of magic there. And you're kind of wondering what on earth the past history of this island is as you're with Coco, who's from a long line of, um, which isn't the right word, like hedge witches almost? Like, like they have like these mystical medicine woman kind of deal anyway so it has like a beautiful the cover i found this um really early edition of mama day in this little used bookstore and it's not a first edition but it's it's near close and it has a beautiful little map and a um like a family tree yeah it has your little family tree and you can see all the genealogy of of coco and it's a very matriarchal family. And so Coco struggles with where she comes from. She feels trapped on the island and so she leaves. And it's her coming to terms with this mystical presence of the women in her family. And you're always wondering where the men are um, because there's mothers and daughters, but where did all the guys go? And she falls in love and Coco does. And um, it just has a gorgeous, gorgeous writing and I love that fantasy is now socially acceptable to be in literary fiction as long as we call it magical realism. Um, but we'll, we'll avoid that hobby horse again on this episode. And it's just so beautiful. And this is the only book where I've read the, this one scene at the end to figure out what happened multiple times because you're like, what just happened? And you just sit there and you reread it and you reread it and it's just amazing. And um, huge fan of this book. So if you can find this edition or really any edition and read it it is amazing so hopefully um this is one of this is my pick for our in-depth discussion episode next time so hopefully i will be able to better articulate how much i love this book and why and we'll bring out some themes in it and um and talk about more about the author so that is mama day by gloria naylor and i think when i read it the first time i didn't have it clue what was going on either so if you read it and you're confused don't worry you're in good company (laughs) yeah it's it's really it's really clear it's just very subtle writing which i really appreciate it's very tight 
and it doesn't tell too much and it doesn't smack you in the face with what the author wants right. you to think about it. You have to decide what to come away with, which is really a beautiful thing. Um, and it's like American folklore has a certain taste to it. And um, I really love American folklore and just the dynamics surrounding that. And it's just a beautiful addition, I think, to those kind of stories. Yeah, it's beautiful. It blew my mind. Like, I, I'd never read anything like it when I read it. Like, and it's beautiful. So, my next pick is The Secret Life of Bees by Sue Monk Kidd. And I read this book fairly recently. Um, and I've actually heard, like, mixed reviews about it. Some people don't like it and some people do like it. But I loved it in part because of the same reason why I like Mama Day. Because it's, like, this very strong matriarchal family and this group of women like this very strong 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 group of women um and let me just read the first little bit of the blurb on goodreads it says set in south carolina in 1964 the secret life of bees tells the story of lily owens whose life has been shaped around the blurred memory of the afternoon her mother was killed when Lily's fierce-hearted black stand-in mother, Rosaline, insults three of the deepest racists in town, Lily decides to spring them both free. Wow. They escape to Tiberon, South Carolina, a town that holds the secret to her mother's past. So when Lily gets there, like she meets this group of women, of black women, and they really just take her in and help her. They kind of help her um, understand... They help her heal, actually. And the some of the criticism that I've heard is like the bee metaphor is a little bit heavy-handed. Um, but I I really don't agree with that. Like each chapter starts with an with a little sentence from this book about bees. And like it relates one of the main characters to the queen bee. And I like I read this book. I just tore through this book. I loved it so, 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 so much. Um the women in this book are amazing and incredible, and the story is not what you would think it would be. It is very, I don't know, like I got to the end and I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but it's similar to, I guess a lot of the stories we've recommended so far, or talked about so far, is that it's usually women who are either been in abusive relationships or neglected or abandoned and then just what happens and how they fill that void and create a family and a community where none exists have you read this one no i haven't i have the audio on my computer though okay i've not read anything else by her um this is the only one of hers that i've read and i think there's a movie but i've not seen it but i i really enjoyed this one yeah dakota fanning i think is in the movie Oh, I think you're right. Of it. And then The Invention of Wings, which is another book by Sue Kidd, was also, yes. was chosen by Oprah as well. So, Yeah, it's... You and Oprah have similar tastes, Autumn. How's that make you feel? <sighs> it makes me wonder why I don't have a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I don't give away cars. You give away kittens, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, I don't want to give away my kittens. Not your kittens, but kittens oh. that need homes. Oh, Oh, I almost had a panic attack. Oh. No, I'm Don't listen, Agnes. She's here somewhere. I just saw her. So anyway, 
So that was The Secret Life of Bees by Sue Monkkid. All right. And we are going to do our book of the month spot in the middle this time. Um, so we are affiliates with the book of the month club. I think it's technically called book of the month, but whatever. We'll have a link in our show notes. But we really love book of the month and we subscribed before we became affiliates and we approached them becoming one because we love what they do. And I like them because while other boxes give you one book that you get, that you can pick on um, book of the month, you can pick one of five. And there's like a nonfiction, uh, there's always a thriller, um, there's female-oriented fiction, there's literary fiction, there's always a wide variety. And if you don't like the selections that month, then you can just not get one and they will just extend your subscription, which is which amazing. Which is amazing. Yes, so exactly. Amazing. And who doesn't love getting book mail? So part of the reason I subscribed, was I the first one to subscribe actually? I remember I talked about it and then you actually subscribed first. Okay. So what? I was always super jealous of these people on Instagram getting book mail. And I was like, oh, I don't get book mail. So it's like like book mail is the best mail in the whole wide world. It basically. is. And on Litzy, there are hundreds and not no lie, hundreds of Book of the Month subscribers. And that way you can always talk about I don't really like talking about books in public forums with people I don't know, but that way my friends on Litzy and I, we can discuss like Shrill by Lindy West. And it's her memoir, which is like a loosely connected group of essays that talk about her perspective of life as, as she says, a fat woman, feminist. And it was just amazing. I love that book. I couldn't st- I was supposed to save it for Riathon and I didn't. I read it ahead of time. That's okay. Another good thing about Book of the Month and Let's See too, in particular is like last month, I couldn't decide what book I wanted. I was trying to decide between Syracuse by Delia Efron and The Woman in Cabin 10 by, well, what is it, Ruth Ware. And I could not decide. And so after seeing so many other fellow Litzians who had made their picks and talking about like why they picked their books, I was it really helped me decide. So yeah, I love it. And I just love getting book mail. Yes. So if you go, we will have um, a code in our show notes and you can go and use that and get... Usually it's 30% off, um, um, and that is book of the month. Um, and I have the next pick. Woohoo! So what I really like to do as a little lit nerd is to track... Um, I love family trees, so I like to track family tree of influences with authors. So like Dan Owen Jones is sort of like Neil Gaiman's mother in literary style and whatever. Read them. You will understand. Um, so... Mama Day, Gloria Naylor's uh, predecessor there is, in fact, Zora Neale Hurston, and their eyes were watching God. And the book was originally published in 1937. So you can see that uh, Toni Morrison and Alice Walker, uh, Gloria Naylor, all these amazing black women writers that are just phenomenal you can see the heritage of that in their eyes are watching God. So if you love any of those authors, then reading Zora Neale Hurston is definitely a must. And I read their eyes are watching God, um, in undergrad and it blew me away. And it is about one of the first all black towns. And so you have a girl named Janie in a sort of like a similar situation in the color purple where she ends up 
kind of preyed upon, we'll just say preyed upon by an older um, man, and she ends up married to him, and it's her kind of quest for independence there, and she discovers that marriage, the guy that she's married to, is this a spoiler? I don't know. Anyway, so she falls in love with this guy, and she realizes that you can love a man, you know, like when you're in a type of arranged marriage or in that kind of, you know, relationship, you don't, she didn't marry for love basically. And so she fell in love, falls in love with the guy named Tea Cake. There is love in this book and it's not the sappy kind. It is the beautiful kind. And there is a scene of a storm in here and there is a dash of magical realism in this book. Almost you can see it sort of sprinkled on like salt and it makes the book feel just have more such more resonance with you and you can see that resonance just blown apart and expanded in mama day and i could go on about it forever but um i'm sure someone has actually already written a paper on it so you should go look it up on jstor probably um, <laughs> and i think this is a good time to interject did you know that zora neale hurston was like really smart like she studied three different languages in school and was an anthropologist in South America and a newspaper reporter and a novelist. Like she just did everything. It was amazing. That I, I did not, but I mean, you knew she's a genius because she wrote all the, all these amazing novels. Oh yeah. I mean, she, she's incredible. Like she's done everything. I'm so she's like the Renaissance she woman. Is. And at a time when like, you really had to have guts to do that kind of stuff too. So, I mean, she is yeah. incredible. She is. And we're not, we're not talking about, we're not expanding on this one because you probably, this is one of like ones you kind of read in high school a lot of times. So we're not going to talk about this one a ton, but um, as always, you can always contact me on social media. So um, that was their eyes were watching God by the one and only Zora Neale Hurston. Then my next pick is, the Heart is a Lonely Hunter by Carson McCullers. Oh, my goodness. So. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember if I read this one before I read Flannery or after I read Flannery. I think after. Um, yes, it was after. Because then you made the entire book club read it and it wasn't even a book club book. That's true. I did. I think it, I don't I'm think very it persuasive when I like a book. Also, yeah, it happened with Salvage the Bones too. Yes, yes, I am slowly but surely brainwashing everyone, um, and for their own good. So, the Heart is a Lonely Hunter is a story. Like, oh man, it's so hard to say. Like, it's not just a story. It's a story about like a town and a story about a community. And I love it because. I love people watching and I love like these interconnected relationships and neighborhoods and stuff. So it kind of follows this deaf mute man named John Singer. Like it starts out that way, but then it really comes to be about this girl named Mick Kelly. And it kind of, it's one of, it's kind of coming of age. Uh, it definitely follows her maturation and her sense of coming to understand the world um, more fully than she did before. So along the way, you kind of learn about 
Nick and her family and her neighbor kids, and she becomes friends with John Singer. And so you kind of learn a little bit about him through their relationship. And it is just, it's probably one of the most beautiful books I've ever read in my entire life. I mean, like, I, ha- I pulled out some quotes because I don't think you understand until you've heard some of the quotes. Like, one of the quotes is, like, the whole world was the symphony, and there was not enough of her to listen. And I was like, oh, that's just so beautiful. beautiful. Um, so there's a lot of, like, sound imagery in there and whatever. And I will hold off because we're going to talk about this more in depth in the next episode. But... It's a masterful, beautiful, wonderful book. And I feel like, actually, Kendra, this is also an Oprah Book Reads pick. How did I do that? No. How did you do How that? How did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and you get Southern literature. And you get Southern literature. <laughs> we all get Southern literature. Anyway, um, yeah, so I really love this book. She was a counterpart of Flannery, but they weren't friends, I don't think. They both were at Yaddo together, like this artist colony back when that was a thing. Um, yeah, they were there at the same time or in close proximity to one another. Anyway, they ran in the same circles. Um, but I feel like that this book is such an, like, such a beautiful exploration of like what it means to be human and like how, I don't know. I'm going to stop. <laughs> We can talk about more in the next episode. All okay, you want. okay, I'll I'll save it. I'll save it. Anyway, so everyone should go and read "The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter" by Carson McCullers. Just go do it. Just pause this podcast and just go read it. And I guess, oh man, I have the last one. So I have found I really want to include some children's lit because I love middle reader to death. Um, and I read, I watched the movie of The Bridge of Terabithia by Catherine Patterson first, and then I read the book, and I love the movie, and I love the book, and they're both different, and that's okay, and I love them both equally. Blasphemy, I know, but, you know, anyway, but this book is amazing, and it won the Newbery Medal in 1978, and it is about Jess Ahrens, and he wants to be a fast runner, but then he discovers uh, this new girl comes to town, Leslie Burke, and she beats him. And Jess lives with a very masculine father, like like a guy's guy, you know. But Jess is kind of artsy, and he loves to draw like cool little monsters. And he has this vivid imagination. And he and Leslie create a Terabithia, a magical land where they go to, and they have to swing across this creek. And their imagination runs wild. And he and Leslie have uh, this, this beautiful relationship where they are the king and queen, and um, is absolutely a gorgeous book and it is heartbreaking. Like I cried, but it was one of the, like the first times I like watched or read something where it was a good kind of sad, if that makes sense. Like it couldn't really end any other way. Like this was it. Um, so I, I think it is great. And I think this proves that, um, that quote by Madeline Langle, where she says, if it's, uh, you, you're going to write a book and you discover it's too difficult for grown-ups, write it for children. And I think The Bridge to Terabithia is a perfect example. Um, and, oh, it's set in Virginia, which is 
obviously Southern. See, I didn't think this was a Southern. I had heard about this book, but for whatever reason, I thought it was set in England. Oh, well. I don't know why. Um, I don't know. Probably because I saw the movie trailer whenever the movie came out was like <laughs> horribly misled. Well, the kid that plays Jess is actually PETA from The Hunger Games. No way. Yes. <laughs> Mind meld. I know. Explosion. Um, yeah, it's but it's he does a, it's amazing. Like he's the he's great actor. So, huh. um, okay, I'll have to read it. So that is the Bridge to Terabithia by Catherine Patterson. Now it is time for new books. New books. So if you just read books at random and don't really watch, you know, the tides of publishing, um, it'd be fun to learn that September and October are the two biggest, really the two biggest months in publishing. I know this because I have been friends with you for a long time now and (laughs) you remind me. Every fall. <laughs> Autumn, it is now publishing season. I'm so excited. And then it's like award season shortly thereafter. Um, and so everyone wants to save like some of their best books for the fall. Um, so there are several. So I am going to mention a bunch and cl- slightly elaborate on the ones I'm more familiar with. But um, so we will have all these in the show notes. So please don't panic about grabbing a piece of paper and a pen we will have that for you. So um, first we have Moo by Sharon Creech, who we are going to see at the Decatur Book Festival. Um, Moo is also a poetry novel like Love That Dog and Hate That Cat. Um, then you have Commonwealth by Ann Patchett, who owns a, is co-owner of the Parnassus Bookstore. And I am halfway through it, and it is so creepy. I can't decide if I like it. It's, beauti- it's beautiful in sections creepy i just finished state of wonder and i didn't like it and it makes me really sad because i wanted to like it but bel canto is on my list so i'm gonna read bel canto hopefully sooner rather than later everyone i've talked to said that that's probably her best book yeah that that's what i've heard as well and i think maybe it's just me like i can tell it's really well done but for me i'm just like I don't know, but I still have 50 per, 50% more, 40% more, whatever left. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and another one is The Tea Planter's Wife by Dinah Jeffries. And I don't really know much about this book at all. Yeah, it's, uh, it says here that 19-year-old Gwendolyn Hooper is newly married to a rich and charming widower, eager to join him in a tea plantation determined to be the perfect wife and mother. Oh, aren't we all, darling? Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> But the life of Ceylon, C E Y L O N. Yeah, Ceylon, probably. Ceylon, Ceylon, whatever. If we're wrong, y'all can correct. Whatever, us. you know. I never, I don't pronounce these in my head. I'm just like, oh, it's that person again. Uh, is not what Gwen expected. The plantation workers are resentful. The neighbors treacherous, and there are clues to the past: a dusty trunk of dresses and overgrown gravestone in the grounds that her husband refuses to discuss. Just as Gwen finds her feet, disaster strikes. She faces a terrible choice: hiding the truth from most everyone, but a, but this secret, a secret this big, cannot stay buried forever. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna read this book. I have it. It's sitting there, marking me on my Kindle. But it is like 418 pages, so. So then next is The Little Nothing by uh, Marissa Silver. And I have the galley for this one. I just haven't started it. I have it too, so maybe, maybe you might see it later. 
But it is a indie next pick for September, which is cool. And I don't really know what. It, do you know what it's about? It's like so. It's like a fairy tale, but not. Okay. Apparently, it's like magical, and it has like like fairy tale tropes in it, but it's not a fairy tale. Like it's not like Cinderella. So like boy snowbird. I think so, but set in oh. a fictional world. Wow. Okay. So then last one, um, there are so many more of note, so don't take this as a master list. So the last one I'm going to mention here is The Lesser Bohemians, which um, is by Eimer, Emer. Oh, 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 Emir. El, uh, Elmar, I think. Isn't it Elmar? Is that an L? No. It's an I. I don't know. But she wrote uh, A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing. A Girl is a half Yes, she won the Bailey's Prize, or was it? Yeah, it wasn't the Orange Prize. Oh man, I want to read this. Well, I I read. I'm so excited. I tried to read a girl's a half horn thing, but it was so stream of consciousness, and for some reason, I didn't know it was when I picked it up. I don't know why. But um, like they, she's like she's from Dublin, I think, and so they compared that um, the girl's a half horn thing to Joyce. Oh my goodness, then Josh would like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, but I talked to um, Squibbles Reads, the booktuber, and she so was reading The Lesser Bohemians. She said, it, once you get the hang of the language and the style, then it's really good. So we'll see. And I think that's it. Yep. So next time we will talk more about Mama Day and The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, and I will probably explain why Southern literature is my thing a little bit more, because I just realized we talked nothing about why. So... I'll probably talk about that next time. Um, otherwise, you can find us. Uh, you can find me, Autumn Privet, on Twitter, Instagram, let's see, Goodreads, all the places at Autumn Privet, and Kendra at all the places at KD Winchester. And thanks for listening to the Reading Women podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.